And we're live. How you doing, man? Good, brother. How are you? I'm doing great. I had a job interview today that I nailed, and so oh, I nice. am wide and high. Cool, brother. So yeah, interviews are interviews are always stressful because you know you never know exactly how things are going to go, <clears throat> and it depends on. I mean, I don't know what. Uh, I don't know if you want to share what job it is, but Bell's Outlet, a little a little retail store down in Bato. Oh, okay. So it's stress free, anyways, because like yeah. consequences of doing a bad interview. I always found that with myself was like, you know, when I was really like, neat, when you need a job, uh, it's always way more stressful than when you're just kind of like, eh, I could, I could deal with a better job. I don't really yeah. need this job. It's more like, yeah. eh, whatever. So yeah, like there's a bunch of places high when he bought so I just need something part time while I'm doing my schoolwork. And so I figured, oh, mm -hmm. here, like they're never busy, they're laid back. All I gotta do is clean the floors up at night. Easy peasy. I can get my headphones Whatever. in most of the day. So it's no, no worse stress with the interview. So it's just uh, this is stress of actually trying to get a job because everyone here is hiring. Everybody here is requiring a vaccine pass, a vaccine mandate. Mm. And so I can find places like, are you vaccinated? I'm like, no. And they wouldn't hire me. And so it's just, I finally found a place that won't require the vaccine. <coughs> and so I'm hoping I'll get the job. Otherwise, like, I might, otherwise, I might get the vaccine. Yeah, I know. It it's, uh, it's a difficult. Uh... It's a difficult time trying to negotiate both your your higher instincts and and principles versus you know needing to eat. So yeah, <laughs> which is they've done a very they've done a very very good job with this. I will uh, I, I you know what man, I've always said that you always need to you always got to compliment your your adversary because or the adversary because you know sometimes if they do something you're like, well played sir, well very well played. <laughs> that was that was me. We um I, I did a book club with uh, Aaron and a. Uh, uh, Nate from Reality Zars of um, oh, what was it called? called? Um, White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. Mm. What I saw, um, that, I saw that you did that. I haven't gotten to it yet. Oh, it's, I just it's listened. fun. Yeah, I just listened to part of your, uh, at least about a halfway through your patchwork with Jay. Yep. Um, and audio on that one was to... terrible until halfway through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then I listened to Poppy, uh, mm. Andrew do his rebuttal. Um, I haven't listened to his full, full, full rebuttal with against Ace and stuff, but uh, uh, he brought you brought up a really good point actually when in your talk with uh, Popular Liberty that uh, that you know atheists or ex atheists tend to veer towards orthodoxy, and that's completely true with with myself. Mm -hmm. um, I have a bit of a bit of a cultural uh, relationship with with Russian orthodoxy as well, so that's you know, but neither mm -hmm. here nor there really. Um, and uh, yeah, I found that interesting that. It's a good observation, and it's. I think it's true. Is that um, I can't remember if you brought this up or Andrew did. I think it was you saying that mysticism is really what's lacking in atheism. So when you get to that point of when reason begins to fail you, and in my case, I, you know, I had what I would describe as a spiritual ex uh, awakening, like mm -hmm. a, a full on, you know, God came to me and and spoke through me, mm -hmm. which is unsettling to say the least. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, and you know, it's, and it's, you get filled with shame and a whole bunch of other really complex emotions to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, but once you, once you're faced with that, you know, there's nothing reasonable about that experience. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it kind of flies in the face of what the new atheists always were claiming that, you know, man invented God. It's like, okay, look, I, I, I understand the argument. I've used the argument quite a bit myself, but mm -hmm. over the years. But here's the here's a weird thing: is like, why in the world would we invent a god like the god we have? Like, you wouldn't if you looked out of the the list of what God is, both in the, mm -hmm. in the Old and New Testament, even the New Testament, which is a bit, probably a bit more uh, kindly and mm -hmm. and you know uh, more gentler version there thereof in in some instances. It's still like you're still faced by judgment and damnation. Like, why the hell would humans invent that? <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense, really. Yeah. Um, and like, that's actually, then when you start, yeah, sorry, I was thinking about it's like um, in Greek mythology, the, the claim is like atheists created gods, so like atheists claim Christians, oh, people created religions, so you go to the field of the unknown. It's like you look at the old pagan religions; everyone went to hell unless you like died a hero's death. <laughs> you know, and, like the, yeah. the constant state was just you were damned. And until Christianity came along, it was like. These uh, Abrahamic wisdom, like, no, it's actually heaven is possible for everybody, not just the hero heroic. And it's like, that's actually yeah. a saving grace of it. It's, it's I don't know, it's, the new atheist critique of religion makes sense until you actually really get to know religion, and you're like, these don't hold up to scrutiny. Well, I think that's it. I think, and I think oftentimes, and you know, so to get to 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 uh, 
linked this to our conversation about uh, suicide of the West, you know, because I was just thinking this today for, for the secularists out there. Um, you can imagine our conversation about liberalism, specifically progressives and conservatives being part of the same, being part of the same frame. They're inside the liberal frame. You know, this, you know, Sargon of Akkad calling himself a classic liberal is like, okay, but you're still a liberal. Like, yeah. you know, you, the, 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 at best, all you can do is put the brakes on this project and maybe hold back the, the inevitable, but the inevitable is, is part of the program. Like you can't mm -hmm. fight liberalism within liberalism. It's impossible. Yeah. It's the same thing with Christianity, you know, Roman Catholics versus let's say the orthodoxy. It's not really a versus, but yeah. the distinction uh, to anyone outside of it would seem ridiculous like silly like oh, what, what are you talking about like pope it's, no pope whatever right it's like the um, orthodox had when it, when the, when the Protestant reformation happened the orthodox quit take on it was like so heretics split from heretics <laughs> like it's that's how that's how people outside religion view these distinctions right and then well they think that actually and that's a really good point right because you know for the orthodox like they just looked at it and said, "Well, I mean, yeah. What would what, you want? We told you this was going to happen. Like, we this is explicit. Like, like we said it from the very beginning, man. If you if you if you if you break from from this, these traditions, weird shit's going to start happening. So you own it now, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing with liberalism. It's like you you know when you hear conservative voices <clears throat> trying to present themselves as this alternative, it's like okay, you're an alternative, but to to, to what really?" Like at best, you can maybe reverse policy back to like 1955, mm -hmm. but for how long is that going to happen? You can't. You have to get outside the liberal frame completely in order to deal with it. Yeah, you know Putin. Weirdly enough, who uh, it's been very awkward, man, in the last few months where it's like all of a sudden I'm like, uh, I don't like the man. He's evil, but I mean, and he's 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 about to invade. <laughs> um, the country of my forefathers but um at the same time he's he's got some valid points um you know when he was talking recently he had a speech where he was basically warning the united states he's like look man we've we've been where you're going it's not a good place like don't go down this road um you know especially with critical race theory and all the rest of it and uh it, that, it's, that's a whole thing if you're outside of it you can see it for what it is and i'm not trying to say that we should, should all you know become Russian or, or, or make Putin we, the, we should, uh, we the ruler. We should just ride horses shirtless and make, and make Putin king. I can say that's what we should do, actually. Yeah, I, exactly. I, would, yeah. I mean, Putin, for all his thoughts, um, I, I, I can't not respect him because it's like he's alpha and he, he is just, he's what you would want in a king that's not a good guy in a sort of way. You know, it's like, yeah, he, he commands respect wherever he goes and you mm. compare to our presidents who are laughingstock. You know, at least... When Putin kills the journalists, I'm like, okay, you shouldn't kill people, but also you're taking the white people, you're taking out journalists, you're taking out people who oppose you. Like, if you was just not so bad, not so extreme, like if you tempered it a little bit with, say, you know, Christianity, he'd be great. Well, no, he is tempered with Christianity. He's an Orthodox. He, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, there's my daughter. <laughs> um, he's, uh, I mean, this is where. If America and Russia do get into some sort of cold war or something, whatever scenario it ends up being, you can also, you can, I can, the writing's on the wall where they're going to start attacking orthodoxy, <clears throat> specifically Russian orthodoxy. Um, and because they're going to have to paint Putin out as a fascist at some point. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's inevitable. Yeah. Um, they can't do that with uh, Xi Ping, which, okay, and we'll get to this in chapter 11, really. But um, I'm laying the groundwork, folks. But, uh, yeah, it's, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to start painting him out to be a fascist, so they can do. They, they can start running the liberal uh, ideology, and, and and then everything else becomes acceptable. Mm -hmm. um, this is the same thing they do with Trump. As soon as they could, they could call him a fascist. It's like, okay, now what do we do to fascists? Yeah. Everything we want to, anything we want to at all. So yeah, I I, I absolutely hate that word fascist because it's like, oh, he's a we're Italy again. We're nineteen forties Italy. because that fascism is it's such a, it's such a like the, the common difference in fascism is right wing authoritarianism, and it's like no fascism, more or less, was like an Italian saying of these people in this time. It was a group of people. It, it I it's feel like the definition people use now for fascism is so it's it's a, it's a catch all, you know. And you see, they don't like his fascism, and there's no weird definition they can provide besides right wing authoritarianism. And it's like I don't, they're all right wing authoritarians who would like fascism, but I don't think that encompasses all. Which is the problem I think the left has with the right is that 
the right is uh, a group of a bunch of different sub ideologies, but there is no real coherent ideology because whatever is not left is right wing. And so they can't really describe what we are because they don't see us as any. They see us always one thing. And it's like, no, libertarians and neocons are both on the right, but we're not at all. They're not all similar. And that's the problem with these anything that's not left is right uh, frameworks. Yeah. Well, I think even the even the framework really is the the, the words themselves are meaningless now, mm-hmm. um, because again, left right within a liberal frame is still within a liberal frame. So yeah. ultimately, both sides are going to start asking, going for the same uh, answers. We see this. We saw this in Burnham with the Suicide of the West in I think chapter three or whatever that mm-hmm. where he does the thirty nine points, yeah. and you know he's saying that all oh, liberals would agree with all these. Re- reactionaries would disagree with all these and conservatives would be more or less in the middle with a lot of this stuff. And if you look at those points in a 20, from 2020 perspective, you see that a lot of these things have flipped where liberals are no, no longer on the side of free speech, of, of unequivocal free speech. Mm-hmm. Um, a few of those things are absolutely still true, like race, race relations and you know, uh, love of the, of the downtrodden and so on and so forth. But it's most, mostly because they need those things. They need those people. Uh, and they need to make them the, they, may, they need to make the right the enemy of the people. Um, and because leftism doesn't exist without, uh, without the right. Like that's, that's how they define themselves. Uh, that's not really exactly true with, let's say, classic right, right wing anything. Is that the right wing doesn't care if there's left, if, if, I shouldn't say it doesn't care, but the right wing, we could, traditionalism or hierarchy exists without liberalism. Mm-hmm. Um, it existed for thousands of years before liberalism. <laughs> It'll exist thousands of years after liberalism. It's it, it's not it's not a pre it, liberalism isn't re, isn't required for let's say whatever we, we could define as classic right wing thought. Um, you know, I mean, and, you know, personally speaking, like I'm I'm neither here nor there. I wouldn't consider myself right wing, um, or and certainly wouldn't consider my, myself left wing because my 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 desire or my um, I guess I can my um my goal i guess is to free myself mentally and emotionally from those distinctions and to mm. start to see things as is yeah. not as not as presented but as as is um and you know that's the uh yeah. i think the only way and i think the only pathway certainly just finish i think the only pathway to into that is is through is through christianity so yeah no i i i don't really have, i don't really describe myself as anything political anymore I, I just think the terms don't mean anything. They are, oh, the terms really are only defined by the opposition. Like you can define conservatives, but how, how you define it is not going to matter how, how a liberal defines it or how someone on the right or left defines it. Um, and so my, but the problem is I have a lot of friends who are in the politics. And so they ask me, what are you? I have to, I feel like I, if I don't answer, I'm just looking at it as weird. And so I answer, I just say I'm, I'm Catholic and I let them draw their own conclusions from there. And I can just kind of work wherever I want to inside the Catholic framework. What mm. works for me? Because I can just say I'm Catholic. I think, oh, so you I can guess your pro life. I can guess these few things. And what else is there? Like, well, let me talk to you. I'm a Catholic monarchist. <laughs> and then from there, it's just it's gone. But yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I know it's 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 always good to have a throw out a word where people go, huh? and you see their mind blink for a second. You're like, good, okay, great, conversation over. Bye. You know, like, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I just I avoid it at all costs now. Because yeah, I'll, and I'll throw that out too. Like, oh, I'm a monarchist, and they're like, huh? Like, yeah, okay. Let's, let's yeah. just stop talking about this right now, then. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be easier for both of us. You know? I do a little troll. Like, yeah, I, I want Trump to come back, but as a kink. And I just watch them, his hands kind of go, wait, what? I'm like, no, I don't want that. But I don't want you to think I want that. Because then you won't talk to me. Yeah, it's easier. But... All right, let's jump into it, man. So, uh, uh, where we, do you want to so, start? So how we're going to do this episode, I think, is we're just going to take it, like you suggested, we're just going to take a chapter. And we're going to kind of talk about mm-hmm. said chapter and we'll be caught out of it. And then that'll be episode two. And we'll probably do one more episode where we kind of finish the book out and bring it all home and kind of go, what are, we, what are our big takeaways from this book? So okay, perfect. I'm going to go with chapter six because uh, it's the entire chapter basically on this ideologies. And not only ideology, like what an ideology does to people. Um, the ideological mm-hmm. syndrome, I guess you could call it. And how it's like, once you, uh, the example he gave of the different people start different people's ideologies arguing, but it was a lot of fun to read because he takes the opposite view of them every time and it just makes it interesting. But the example of like, um, the racists, and it goes to point by point of why no, these people are equal, and every it, it, he always moves it back because it's always a uh, thing before what the, the universal truth is. He found the ideological person has found a universal truth, 
and it's plainly obvious, and he just has to rationalize everything that comes before him to coincide with that presuppositional that he has, he has decided. So facts, reason, none of that matters. It just has to be what it lines up with the ideology. You're always searching for that thing. Once I noticed that when I was reading um, uh, White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo, is that See, when we speak about racism, white people would be like, oh, you sit, oh, see, bring up race at a dinner table when somebody had a joke. And they'd be like, hey, can you not ruin the party with all your woke nonsense? And she'd be like, I broke from white solidarity. And that was why I was attacked. And it's like, obviously, the attack came from racism because you can't, you can't, what, you don't see how racist our society is. And everything was very true to lens of, I have a universal truth. The sky is blue. Racism is systemic. Let's go from there. And you can't deal with these people in any way. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, just, I'll read a quote uh, that I've highlighted from chapter six. Uh, this is where uh, Burnham's talking about uh, ideology or ideologue. An ideologue or one who thinks ideology, ide- ideologically, ide- <laughs> it would be nice if I speak English, right? Uh, and who, or one who thinks ideologically can't lose. He can't lose because his answer, his interpretation, and his attitude have been determined in advance of the particular experience or observation. They are derived from the, the from the ideology and are not subject to the facts. There is no possible argument, observation, or experiment that could disprove a firm ideological belief for the very simple reason that an ideologue will not accept any argument, observation, or experiment as consisting as as constituting disproof. Thus, so this we say candidly proclaimed by, by in Mr. Hitchens' speech. One advantage of this faith in liberalism is that it is practically there is no reason for even that modest qualification shockproof. Um, and then he goes on. Yeah, there's a so he does that great back and forth where it's like everything. It, no matter what facts you present, the answer is always uh, is always no, no, no. I'm right, you're wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And this is it's it's interesting because it's immune to reason. And especially in classic liberalism, which is supposed to be basically the, 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 uh, the, the, almost the religion of reason, um, where you know, reason is is placed at the most highest principle, and everything, and reason can solve all things. It just keeps proving that man is not a reasonable animal. We don't derive most the majority of our 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 decisions, our moral decisions, or anything from a reasonable or logical position. It comes from an instinct or intuition first. We feel it first, and then we begin to extrapolate and come up with ideas and, and reasons for that feeling. Um, it's the I've said this for, for forever now, um, both on and off the air. Is that, and especially because my my studies in communism, it's amazing to me is how it was never the system; it's always the people. So the system's always perfect. It's never to blame. You can't blame communism. You can't blame uh, any of the policies. But those damn people keep screwing it up. And and, and <laughs> if only, right? If you, and mm-hmm. it's, and this is the dangerous thing. Uh, you know, if you catch yourself saying, "If only," the next thing out of your mouth is probably going to be garbage, because yeah. "if only" means, oh, if if everyone just thought the way I thought and acted the way I acted, we would be in utopia. Everything would be mm-hmm. Shangri-La and beautiful. And that is absolute horseshit because it doesn't hold up to reality. Yeah, no. Like only time, only way you get utopia is when there's this one guy. Like that's my that's my view on utopia is existing. Like no, you kill everybody, one guy, he kills himself, and then nothing. That's it. Because it's more, you gotta always. There's a great quote, um, and it's from a video game, uh, Team Fortress Two, which is it's a, it's a joke, but it's also a great quote. The company that sells video games, and they they say. Um, as long as there's two people left alive, one's gonna want the other one dead. We're gonna be there to sell them the gun, and well, that is—I mean—that's how people work. Well, I mean, this is this is the only thing that I think Foucault ever said that I that I fairly much fully agree with, mm-hmm. is that he in power dynamics he was talking about how if you put two people in a room, um, you're gonna get into a power dynamic. So someone is gonna start to assert dominance over over another one. Uh, and that can be a back and forth. You see this in, in like in marriages and relation, long-term relationships or even friendships. It's very, very rare to get people completely sharing uh, power and opinion. Um, you're going to see a hierarchy within certain situations develop. So, you know, where one person might have more expertise in one area, another person has an expertise in another area, and then, and then so on and so forth. You know, and if someone has more expertise in general, they're going to be the more dominant personality versus the person who's going to have to be submissive or sublimate themselves because, you know, what do they know? Right. Um, And this is, this seems to be the, always the problem with the, with the, um, with liberal, um, the liberal, liberal syndrome 
and trying to collapse those hierarchies, it's unnatural and yeah. it always leads to unnatural results. Absolutely. Now, like this, um, I want to get to it. I want to point out one of the things he brought up was those, uh, those two black guys who ran the, um, who picked up the cardboard boxes and collapsed them in the back of a truck. Truck was barely working. They barely made any money. He said it's probably the only job they could manage because they weren't the smartest people. Um, but the ideological abstraction hadn't been satisfied by increasing minimum wage. <laughs> and that, that is how, once I heard that word ideological abstraction had to be satisfied, I'm like, you kind of know that intuitively that liberals have these all these ideologies that have to be satisfied no matter what the outcome is. But when you said the word ideological abstraction, like, that's how you describe it. Mm-hmm. This minimum wage, equal school, e- equality, this egalitarian menace. Is, there's some abstraction that they cannot sleep, they cannot be comfortable because they cannot accept reality. They have to meddle and make it clean. Um, and then once that happens, it's great. It doesn't matter what the actual effects. So on paper, we did it. Actually, like, well, look at it. Yes, I mean this is all about practical error as well, right? So when you start off with a, and I used to be, an, I used to be more of a Millsian, right? So um, I've, when I speak ill of this stuff, it's like I, I'm speaking to my to myself 10 years ago where I really, and I, and I did the same thing. Like, you know, if only egalitarianism would work if only. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm completely to blame for all this stuff too. Um, but it's, it's, it's when you begin with that practical error, this, the pre- presupposition that man is inherently good uh, and that all we need to do is give them opportunities to express his goodness and it will automatically uh, manifest that all men created equal inherently. Um, that is the error. <laughs> the, it's and it's it's an error that is is so profound that I think that's why they can't deal with it. When you are trapped within that liberal frame, you can't see the forest from the trees literally because it's to deal with that one with that one central pro- fault uh, that everything springs from. You know, whereas you take from the Christian mindset, that's like, no, 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 man is fallen. We're we're fallen creatures, and but we were saved, and and to live up to that salvation, we we must constantly be trying to better ourselves and and try to live up to and to the example as best we can every single day. Where you know, um, where liberalism kind of in, inverts that whole thing, saying there's an ideal here, uh, and every man can 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 attain that ideal if only. X, Y, Z. If only they get paid more. If only they have more education. If only da 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 da. Um, and you know, as we as we know, it's like, look, you can work your ass off, and you're never going to be, you know, Bill Gates or 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 um, Jeff Bezos. Like, mm-hmm. the chances of of someone from Skid Row becoming um, a trillionaire is 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 precisely zero. Like it's. Yeah. It's not even like a, a folk tale that's once happened once in a while. It's like, no, no, it's zero. It's it's not yeah. going to happen. Is it, um, and the only way that will happen is they win the lottery, but then it's gone within a week. You know, it's like they don't ever, they, they can maybe get a lump sum of money, but it ain't going to last them because the way they operate it just does not work. Oh, they would just be, they'd be excluded from the party. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Donald Trump, for example, was a, was a very, um, he's one of those, was one of those rich people that the left loved when he was on the left. But also, he had to comport himself in a very different way. As soon as he started talking in jargon and becoming like more of an everyman and could talk to construction workers, the left didn't want to, didn't want anything to do with him yeah. as a gatekeeping mechanism. That's not even just the left, I should say. It's more like the um, the elites didn't want anything to do with him because it's like, well, we can't do that. You know, uh, it's it's why you see that you know. Um, uh, Bill Gates wearing a sweater vest and dressing down, right? To look to look like every man. It's 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 laughable. It's 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 basically yeah. Superman dressing up as Clark Kent. It's like that's what they, they that's what they think we we the common people respond to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I don't give a shit what you wear, dude. Wear go wear a suit. I don't care. Like whatever. Uh, I'm 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 in a, in a weird way. I much respect much more respect Trump being gaudy and audacious because it's like, well, yeah. I mean, you, you have it. more I mean, money. You have more money than you're ever going to spend. Like, why not yeah. just be silly? Exactly. But, you know? Yeah, like that's, that's always been my, one of my critiques of um, the American Puritan view of that like, closing. It's like, how much do you spend on that watch? It's like, well, yeah, but this watch looks nice, and I want it to look nice. Like, there's nothing wrong with trying to look nice. I think it's weird that we have to view, we view everything into like the efficient the efficiency of it. I'm like, no, no, I just want I want something that looks nice for the sake of looking nice. I don't need to have everything be efficient, which is sure. Frustrating I mean, at all. 
and I mean, you know, uh, African American men really understand that in terms of they understand the power of 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 prestige, right? They understand the power of of um, uh, of imagery and fashion is one of the number one ways. It's like there's no, it's it's not a coincidence that most of these a lot of rappers, especially people who come from a, like lower means, they would all of a sudden get catapulted into into having money, a P Diddy, all the rest of it. They automatically go right into fashion. Like they know exactly what <laughs> their demographic is looking for, right? Like there's yeah. there's a reason why um, Kanye West has made more money off his shoes than anything else, right? <laughs> so, um, but that, I mean, that's, again, this is to say that. That uh, you know, liberals, especially left-leaning liberals, just don't understand this stuff. They they say they claim to support the poor, but don't understand the poor, and actually need the poor to be poor to continue siphoning off money and 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 power off them. I was just thinking of this: it's like Judas Judas Iscariot is the classic textbook liberal, where he's a thief who skims off the collections, but who purports to be a, a big savior of the poor, you know, and. and mm-hmm. And as we knew, like as we figured out that that's well, nope, <laughs> yeah. um, that's a lie. Uh, but this is exactly what we expect to see. And you know, not to not to not to beleaguer the point, but anyone who thinks they can fix this within liberalism, if they think they can reform this, it's not a it's not a reformation moment. It's yeah. we, we got to collapse it. Uh, and build something new from the ashes, or something old, yeah. maybe from the ashes. But we we you, you can continue to operate within this this framework if you if you want to um, achieve something outside of that framework. You, you got to get outside of it. Um, yeah, you can't you can't fight liber- liberalism with more liberalism. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. The uh, the point on Skid Row, a Skid Row will always exist, and maybe it's actually I don't know if you watch this sort of South Park, but um, there's this hilarious. They do this gag. I don't know what season it was, but they have this shitty part of town, and they want to reclaim and redentify. And so they buy up the land, they turn it all into like these high-end condos and super nice um, restaurants, and they call it Satipa Town, city part of town. They even relabeled city town as Satipa Town, and all the homeless people didn't quote this move into the school zone. <laughs> and it's just like, they have to go somewhere. You didn't solve the problems, made it look nice. And they just, it, it's hilarious, but also it's like, no, this is exactly what actually happened, which is why that's so, so good. It actually speaks truth to what is going on. Um, but it made me think of that episode because it's like, oh yeah, you they have to always exist. And um, one of my big critiques of conservatism when I was like, you know, becoming libertarian was they actually don't want to make things better. They just want to make things look cleaner. You know, it's like drug laws. I don't want people doing drugs. I want to throw them in prison and, you know, screw up their life. It's like, well, that's actually not helping anybody or making anything clean. You're just making it look nice. You know, you cut the you cut off the mold but left the tumor. <coughs> and that is what a lot of liberalism does when it identifies and makes anything nicer. It just it cuts off the tumor. It still has a tu- it still has a mold, still has a tumor. It's still disgusting. It just has a bit of sign to it now. Actually, I think I think liberalism is a bit more sicker. In the sense that, you know, let's say a conservative would want to clean up the area, right? And you can, mm-hmm. and you can make an argument that, you know, the broken windows uh, yeah. ideas where if you if you start to have graffiti and all the rest of it, then then the whole the whole neighborhood goes goes to shit really fast. So there's there can be something to be said about keeping a place looking clean and nice, and, and that and that generates higher, yeah, could possibly generate higher moral value with it, um, but. With liberalism, and you can see this playing out in San Francisco and California, you know, Nancy Pelosi famously once said in a in, in an interview where she kind of got a little flustered, and she ended the interview saying, "Well, we feed them, we feed them, you know, <laughs> we feed these poor people. We we know we're we're important." I think it's the same thing is that they're 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 making skid they're making California Skid Row, so they can come in and save it, mm-hmm. uh, because they need that they need to feel like they're saving people in order to justify all the other shitty things they're doing. Like Judas, like Judas, right? I'm sure Judas, um, you know, in his mind was doing a great thing by, well, I'm also helping the poor, but I'm also skimming money off the top, right? But, but the money I skim off the top, yeah, sure, that's not a good thing, but I'm also doing good things. I'm doing great acts, so it kind of, it, it balances out in the end. Um, and that, of course, we all, you know, anyone who has a, have, who's even slightly reasonable realizes that that's not how that works, mm-hmm. but it's also explains the whole 
uh, American left right now, where they need to be the saving force, the salvation force uh, in in the world. And as long as and and we'll get to this in chapter eleven, which and so that's really interesting is when you when you look at you know they'll attack Russia for for Putin's treatment of let's say the LGBTQ blah 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 community, but turn a blind eye to Mao. Sorry, to Mao, to to, to, uh, to China, you know, locking up uh, Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps, and they're like, "Well, what are you going to do?" You know, oh, yeah. well, I mean, you know, uh, you say concentration camps, you know, it's a weird education just, center. Yeah, it's you know, hey, do, do you know? Yeah, you know, those 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 Muslims could be pausing, could be could be right wingers. Uh, those are fascist Muslims, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah now, one of the last things I have on chapter six was this line. Uh, about the feeding the poor, sorry, not feeding the poor. We're going to feed and feed everybody. We have enough food to feed every man on earth, which is completely improbable, impossible. It's not going to happen. But doesn't matter. The ideological abstraction matters more than reality itself. And the quote was, "When the fact is tragic, ideology offers refuge from fact," <laughs> which uh, is hope. You know, it's, it's your ideology provides cope, <laughs> cope and cease. You're not you're not actually going to affect this. with saying that it's got to cope with it, and it's. It's absolutely true with the ideological people, and like I said, some of my favorite people on Twitter are completely ideological, and now I can't, I can't not see them reasoning from the being an ideological uh, ideologue. Like I think Ace. the I think the, you said it, but you said it, not me. Um, Call him out. I, I I love Ace. He's been a podcast multiple times. I think he is the best of that ideology. I think that is the best thing I can say about it. Like, when you are. I I, I I can respect someone that is going to be take the ideology and be an ideologue. In the best possible way, and not be angry about it. What I can like, like, oh, what's his name? I can't. Uh, Alex O'Connor. He's a uh, atheist, liberal, um, and he's super logical, reasonable, and nice and polite. And I can respect him. You know, I disagree with every, I disagree with everything he says. Vegan, atheism, secularism, everything he says, I disagree with. But I can respect and converse with him because I know where he's coming from. I know he just wants to uh, enact his ideology. He truly thinks it's better for everybody. And that's why I think he's eight. I mean, I agree with him, but I can respect the. Uh, effort he is putting in based on what he, his ideological principles are. I don't think it's the case, but you know. Yeah, I think I think the danger is the danger is this. And look, I'm I look, I don't want to start an internet beef out having against Ace. I, I remember he him and I had a back and forth when I, I made a comment about um about you don't really have rights, you have rewards. Um, you know, that and everything you think is is your right in America or in the, in the West isn't really a, isn't isn't a right, isn't like God given. There's no God doesn't give you rights. He gives you responsibilities. He gives you you know gives you uh, he gives you other things, but they're not rights. You don't have the right to free speech under God. Um, but so these things aren't, and they and, and they also don't exist in nature. It's not like mm-hmm. it's not like they, they we have to invent them. Um, and so what we and what we currently enjoy is really a, re- a reward program. If you're within the status quo and you're and you're a good citizen, you get rewarded by being able to do what you want to do mm-hmm. to whatever degree. Um, and and if you're not, if you're on the if you're in the out group, you don't get those rewards. And in the last two years, have proven that completely. If you're unvaccinated in most parts of the in most parts of the West, you can't access you know anything. They're getting to the point where they're going to start denying people food. So if you and if you think your human rights is going to somehow magically save you, I have I have you know I'm sorry about it, Buttercup. It's it just it doesn't play out. So this is and this is the and so this goes directly to what we were saying about ideology being immune from fact. Because then you know Ace was like no 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 and kick rocks and I don't know whatever. Yeah. Um, it was a while ago. Um, but again, it's like well look if if you're if your ideology, if 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 your if what you believe to be true, is proven untrue time and time and time again, and I can just look say look out your window, I don't have to pull up any magical stats or anything to to prove you wrong. I can just go read the Daily News, and you're wrong. So yeah. you're, and you're wrong on every from every single perspective. Well, then what good is your ideology? Like I think to make make it the best defense I can because I. I see. I see where both coming from. I to kind of merge the two. I would say you have to have a rights. You have to have an ideology of rights as a starting point to create to offer the rewards in, in, in return. So, for example, I say, okay, well, rights. My, the rights of a free person are A, B, C, and D. Now you receive those rights through by one being human, but the only way they are actually respected has rights is if you live in a society that also respects those rights. 
And so you have to have the rewards of society geared towards the truth, which is the right space. So kind of like to merge both your ideas, I think you're both kind of coming from... I think if you guys had a conversation, you would disagree by starting points, but in the end, I think you would end up agreeing, you know, this is how it actually works. I think, oh, that, look, I think no, that's... Uh, no, that. I mean, thing. I can see Ace's perspective completely on this. When I made the statement, I knew it was going to be a little bit spicy, but I didn't expect to see like the libertarian reese on this one was was intense. I never know what they're going to weigh about. I never know. It's impossible to guess. Oh, just the, just the, the 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 intensity of it. Give me a second, sorry. No problem. Man's got a family. You got to you know take a break sometimes. People listening. No, no, my my daughter my daughter is into climbing mode, so ah. I'm just watching her like slowly climb into areas where she shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> um yeah, you know, so yeah, it's from from Ace's perspective, and look, and I, I get it, right? It's an unpopular, uh, it's an unpopular thing to think. Matt Erickson's, uh Matt has uh, talked about this as well. I think um, you know, I always like when Matt and I kind of parallel think, because um, I come at it from a slightly different perspective because I was never a libertarian. But um, uh, anyways, so the whole Ace thing is like I understood it completely what he's saying. Because I was, I used to be, I used to believe in rights myself, right? Mm-hmm. That rights were fundamental, and that no matter if you were right wing or left wing or on the in or the out, you had the right to have free speech, free, uh, free association, um, you know, whatever mm-hmm. what have you. Um, and it's just patently not true. Like it's not something that I that I like. It's <laughs> I'm not like championing it. Like oh, screw mm-hmm. rights. I'm like no, no. I I would love to have rights. You know, I would love to have rights that are that that are that no one can screw with or if they screw with it then there's then there's a whole bunch of other things that can we can do about it mm. but that's just not true and it's never been true it's that we believed in a lie we were lied to we believed the lie and it's, it's and as long as it served us we could turn a blind eye and and pretend that it, the other infractions didn't exist and mm-hmm. these are things are fine and well you know you got to break some eggs and make an omelet and you know oh well there was there was reasons for this and that and you made all these excuses and then finally when it comes down and when it gets dropped in your lap you're like oh shit fuck <laughs> well guess we were wrong about that one and and then you move on you know, and then you, you accept it and you move on and you try to and you try to create a new a new more operative worldview. That's my challenge. Um, you know, and it's it's not about we can sit here and 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 piss about about definitions all we want. But the the the, the facts are the facts that if you know what you think you have the right to do, you don't unless the government tells you you're, you can do it. And. And it's always been that way. It's just that you ha- that maybe we haven't been so firmly in the out group that we had to worry about it. And now that we are, it's like, oh well, well. Now yeah. you, you were just saying, like, if you know, if you don't get vaccinated, you can't have a can't have a job. Mm-hmm. Where, where are your rights now? You know, where 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 do the rights go? Oh, you're going to complete it to the court. Okay, go to the Supreme Court and see what Justice yeah. Sotomayor is going to talk to you about. Like, yeah, you know. yeah. No, I, I. I, I yeah, it, it, the right, the whole right scene. Like I used to cringe at the the Burkean concept of like you don't have rights, you have responsibility. But now looking at it in like a practical sense, it's like no, I have in my idea. These are the things that are necessary for me to. For here's a, there's like three ways to look at it. One is what is necessary for a functioning society of people, or respecting each other's ability to do said things. How are those things achieved? Well, they achieved by either a enforcement mechanisms or b shared responsibility, the uh, reward systems for responsibility to fulfill. Or, or having a system that respects them, and so all those things are great and necessary, but they don't happen. They don't exist pre. They, they don't exist pre-abstraction. They they exist after reality, after the starting point of the government system, a system you live under. And so, like saying your rights exist pre-government or pre-man, it's like no, no. They are abstractions we have created. We are going to function best under, and it works best. If everybody believes those things, but it's not the truth. Well, I think that's where. I, that's how I look at it now. Of course, that took me like you know a year of thinking about to get to. And I'm still working yeah. out those abstractions because it's honestly rights are fun to talk about, but they don't matter anymore. It doesn't, doesn't fucking matter. It's also peacetime conversation, right? Like, yeah, you know, we can we can have those conversations when we're not actively at in cultural war, <laughs> like which may not be the rest of our lifetime for this mm-hmm. the way things are going. But yeah, no, it's 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 a silly conversation. Okay, so now let's get back to the book. Chapter that was eleven. All, that's chapter. I say, I have chapter six. That's going to chapter eleven. 
Uh, chapter 11, which is entitled Pas de ennemi au gauche, which in French means no enemy to the left. Um, and in this, this chapter, um, he begins to define the idea that the, um, the left wing or the left wing liberals um, would rather would always rather fight the right than than accept any misgivings from from the left no matter no matter even if it's from far to the left um so i'll just read a little bit from the start of the chapter uh the moral asymmetry sprung from the guilt felt by liberals towards the wretched of the earth overlaps though it's not is is not identical with a primary rule of liberal strategy this rule which anyone may verify by a customary study of liberal behavior over a moderate period of time may be stated as follows. The main enemy is to the right. Viewing liberalism from the outside, a more exact wording might be the preferred enemy is to the right. This rule is a matter of feeling, principle, conduct, and history. It is a basic perimeter, a parameter of liberalism understood as a personal attitude and as a, per, a political tendency. Referring to the development of progressive and radical political views in their own country from the 18th century on, the French put a similar point still more unconditionally. Il n'y a pas de ennemi au gauche. There is no enemy to the left. That formulation is perhaps too extreme for the main body of modern liberalism, though it is undoubtedly holds for liberalism, liberalism's own left flank, as represented, for example, by, the, by, the, by, most, of the authors of, by most of the authors of the liberal papers. But all wings of liberalism unite in finding the main enemy, the preferred enemy, the enemy that one enjoys to gr come to grips with, is the right. Um, and then he goes on to say that, yeah, that even though if, if liberals can can identify a threat from the left, it doesn't feel like a threat. It doesn't feel like the same threat. Mm -hmm. So they will go out and try to crush um, um, fascism wherever where they can find it, whether they have to invent it or or if it's actually present in the world. But be okay with the communists and want to have discussions with communists. We want to, you know, have, uh, have negotiations um, and and make excuses for it. And we see this in 2021 again with when Biden was asked about the concentration camps in, in China. He's like, well, it's cultural differences. I mean, who's to say, right? But I mean, as soon as Putin, you know, gets a little gets a little too aggressive with Ukraine suddenly America has to send in troops because this is of dire consequences and we can't even we can't even contemplate how this could even happen you know um and look and again I'm not trying to say that Putin is less of a threat or a nicer person than Xi Jinping I'm just simply saying that if you're going to view one as a threat you should view both as a threat if you're going to hate fascism you can also hate communism like these things for a reasonable rational human being should be self-evident and which all that means is it's pointing towards the fact that that um, we're not dealing with a rational, reasonable people. Like this is a the ideology is is, is it has expunded expunged reason from its ranks. Let's say. Yeah. On a point you mentioned earlier, I was looking for the quote, but I can't find it. Um, Eric von Kudut Leden, who was a fantastic, uh, he was friends with Ludwig von Mises in Austria, and he was a Catholic monarchist outright. Um, and so he's really smart, one of the best of the classical trained, you know, people. And he wrote a book on leftism and he brought the point that like we on the right view left as competing ideologies when in reality it's, 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 um, how do you put it? It's not competing shoe stores to, um, uh, own the, own the market. It's competing. It's different companies, different branches. And so it's one company, it's multiple branches all competing to win, but they're all under the same banner. They're all the same Payless shoe stores. It's not Payless shoes and Target. And that's how we have a mistake of viewing it because it really is one thing was off series instead of off a bunch of different people. Um, like, but I talk about when he bends in that we the left how the left is that's how right people view it and that's a mistake. We need to view it as one thing with competitors, not as people's opposition. Well, not only that, but also that if you continue using the same tools that the left uses, <clears throat> for instance, you know, we'll, we'll hear things like saying like, well. All the right has to do is get in control of more of more media, and it's like, well, no, that's not going to do anything because again, okay, so fine. Let's say you have a fifty-fifty split in the media; it doesn't change it. It won't change the liberal mindset. It's not going to change liberalism. It's just going to it's just going to create more. It's going to just at best it'll it'll put the brakes on the on the cart, which is what I think classic conservatism was always designed to do, which is supposed to like you know stop stop the car from going completely off the off the side of the hill um and you know the brakes are broken the brakes are broken on the cart now so so uh 
so no, no to no to everything else they're, they're going to say. Um, you know, Ben Shapiro and all the rest of them. It's like, look, you can't if if your if your idea is to vote the right people in, you're still use, using democracy, mm-hmm. and and democracy is going to just produce these results eventually. So what you're going to get, you're going to give yourself ten years to do what with celebrate and go yeah we own the libs look we had four years of trump that was supposed to like you know be the big the big be the big finger at uh at the left and all they did was give them more strength so you know and come back with more of a vengeance so it's it's um we need to get that's again we need to get out of the framework completely to be able to to restructure it this is the problem with a lot of right is they they view they're they're so patriotic they don't view the left as enemy. They view the left as we're just fellow Americans. We disagree on some things. So these are the enemy, and if you don't destroy them, they're gonna come back with a vengeance. <laughs> like uh, Curtis, you I was listening to him talk. He's like, you know, we need to. Um, if Trump ever went again, he needs to just destroy the State Department and fire everybody. You know, get rid mm-hmm. of them. And like, yes, you don't need to. If the institution is, is um, rotted to the core, these are the enemies. They're not your fellow Americans. Get rid of them. And this is why it's wrong. They're too patriotic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is Yarvin talked about this with his Civil War uh, commentary, um, where he's like saying the, the South was always going to lose because they didn't have a, they they thought the the winning condition was to get the get the North out of you know, beyond the, the Madison Dixon line and just mm-hmm. and create that barrier and go okay good, goodbye, so long we're we're going to part ways. It's like whereas the North was like no no no, we're in this for total domination. Mm-hmm. So anything anything short of total domination is a is is a loss for us. They had a chance to march lose. to the White House and take it, and they said, "No, no, we're not going to do that. That's not our goal." And it's like that should have been your goal. Yeah. <laughs> we'd be, I think, yeah, we, exactly. I honestly think we'd, we'd be a lot better off if they did. If the Confederacy won and was the dominating party, I think we'd be. I think states' rights would have been a stronger foundation, and we could have maybe moved towards more of a oligarchical. It would have been, would have been as great, but it would have been better than what we have now. No, I disagree with you, man. Because, because again, they were they're operating with America's built as as a classic liberal country. So, and this is my whole point: is that no matter who wins, mm-hmm. no matter who's in control, if you're operating under a classic liberal framework in any in any way, shape, or form, you're going to get the same results. It's 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 the program. It's these are these are functions, not glitches. These are these you know these are sorry features, not glitches. So. It always it always ends in some sort of so, socialist communist yada 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 because so, it's the it's the it's a logical conclusion of all these ideas. So me, what, I I see it coming from. I think we would have we would have got where we are now. I think it would have postponed it by a bit, and our current time would be better. But my my point is that the how to put this um the American idea was sold as one thing and it was not I don't know that one thing. We, so it was sold as a oligarchical federal system and in reality it was not that at all uh and the, the south was fighting for what the idea was sold on not what the idea was and so it was kind of a um they were both representing the same thing one representing the former and one representing the informal and i think if the informal one had uh or the formal meaning had won not the informal meaning we would have prolonged and postponed the eventual collapse that we saw coming because what the sold meaning was was not the actual meaning so it was sold as not a liberal framework it was so differently than what it actually was which is my take on the civil war but that's you can i don't count the facts of history are so weird because there's so many defeat like you can't this is why i'm actually not a fan of people who write like people who write alternative history it's just it's fantasy you have no way of testing any of this it's fun but there's no actual metric for comparison well yeah i mean and, and also and and the metrics for comparison we have i mean again we just have to kind of look at because we are dealing with ideologies, so we can just say, well, what's 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 inside the ideology? Now you can say that maybe the South, <clears throat> or at, at different parts of history, had a different, slightly different view of the ideology, but they're still within it. So again, you have to think of things as being features, not bugs. Um, eventually, all these things would just manifest themselves. Now they might manifest themselves slightly differently, you know. As and as to your point, well, we don't know what would happen. Maybe the South had won. America would have gone communist in 1950. Who knows, right? Um, it's 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 impossible to tell. Yeah. But I I just to answer your general point, and let's say the most meta general sense possible, I don't see how these things don't ever just become what they are. Um, yeah. That these things are are pretty much set. Once it's set in motion, it's only a matter of time. Um, mm-hmm. 
And some countries, like you know, um, in the USSR, they skipped they skipped the whole classic liberal period, essentially, where they were going, they were starting to go through it. They said, "Nope, zoop," and went right to the end, went, went to the end point, and collapsed faster. Um, whereas America stayed in that middle zone for longer and is now just in that is now in yeah. that the new final stages, and this is the collapse, right? And uh, can't get here soon enough. Start well, still, you know. Hey, be careful what you be careful what you wish for, my friend. <laughs> Man, I I am young, and I don't like the idea that my entire generation of life is going to be stuck in the absolute and just slowly going through the collapse. So, like, I'm 90 years old, and it's like, okay, it's done. Now we can build something. Like, no, I want to be part of the building. I'm stuck in the generation hmm. that has to deal with the collapse, and not the building. I want to. That's my only complaint yeah. about my age. <laughs> that's no, but hang on, to give you to give you a bit of a white pill though you're we're we're in the period right now where, where these kind of conversations and and any kind of work uh is vitally important because this is the time when if you can get certain ideas out there or principles out there you can sorry give me a sec okay man <laughs> i know Bubba. um so we can we can start to build things for the future generation for her you know for her generation this crying little one um uh, we can start building things that they can start benefiting from so that's that's our responsibility and it's a good one you know it's yeah it, so what we don't we don't get to bask in the glory and we don't get we we, we plant trees that we'll never sit on sit in the shade of fine but at least we have the at least we know that those trees have been planted at least we have we have the hope uh, and genuine hope, not cope, that through our work and our suffering and our and our our sacrifice, Max, Max, the future that real quick. Hope, not cope. Yeah, hope, not cope. Hope, um, not cope. Okay, continue. You know, and, it's, and it's and it's genuine. And I think the way we do that, um, and this is what I bring up in in my series, Fathers and Kings, is it's all about rightful sacrifice. That sacrifice is the one thing that the left and in the liberal framework does not understand it does not it just doesn't compute they use the word but it's always someone else it's mm -hmm. never them right you never think of your own sacrifice you think of other people's um and that's where we get into this sort of to break the frame uh, my only my only way of thinking about how to do it is to get into that christian framework to start talking about things like forgiveness mercy faith mm -hmm. um you know grace how do we enact that in this world uh, and reach out to secularists and say, look, we can do this. Because, mm -hmm. you know, as, as Burnham lays out, the infection of liberalism is so absolute that, and this is, you know, going back to chapter 11, the failure of liberals to see the threat that they, that they themselves present is the ultimate downfall of the system. Mm -hmm. is that they can't stop themselves from doing these things because they're fully convinced that, the, that all these things are just and right. Even as they see people uh, brought under the heel of it, as, you know, as we see people being destroyed and, 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 uh, and lives completely shattered because of their policies, they can't accept it because there's no mechanism for them to have forgiveness. There's no, yeah. There is no mechanism there. So... You know, I, I'll take that as my life's work is to start to generate acceptance of, a, of, a, of, of these principles and concepts of somebody saying, no, 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 look, man, we need to start forgiving people. We need to start giving, we need to start acting in more merciful ways. We need to really start to preserve human decency. Um, and it, because that's what's really gone, gone to shit in the last two years is human decency has been a full on, on full on display as, as being, as, mm -hmm. as being in a, in a massive crisis. Um, and then, and if we don't find ways of restoring that, then, you know, there is nothing to rebuild. <laughs> like yeah. That's the whole project has gone to shit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, that's a good, that's a good white pill. And the, um, your, your point about forgiveness being absent, that has been, when you said that, like, I think the first podcast we did, that sent me down a spiral of sorts about like, that is what is missing. And, um, it's been a lot of fun to think about that and like research that and read about that. Cause that is once you hear that and you notice it, oh, that is what is missing. There is no mechanism for forgiveness. There is no like humans are like this liberal framework is humans are perfect, not perfect. Humans are good and they are geared towards the good. Make one mistake, you you you, you taint the original sin as a mechanism for forgiveness. And so like it's it's very we're living in the Garden of Eden. 
but men are capable of the Garden of Eden. But once they make one mistake, it's over. You pay them to the sin. There's no mechanism for baptism. And that is the problem. That's one of the problems with it. Well, you know what's, what started me on that whole, that what started the whole mind worm with that working with me is when I was changing my daughter's drawers for the first time, you know, very when she was first born. Mm. And it just struck me, and it's a very simple thought, maybe too simple, but I mean, that's why it's elegant, is that everyone that you hate, you know, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, Putin, whoever, was once a little baby who had shitty drawers on that had to be, that had to be changed. And when she starts looking at those people in that sense, and then, and then, and they were growing up and then something went wrong, quote unquote, mm -hmm. or um, made them who they are. And once you start to realize that, that, that their baseline, and this is where liberalism is correct, is that everyone is born in, in a relative pure state. All children are born, I would say, innocent, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, and other things begin to corrupt them. But those, but the, 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 the difference of looking at it is is acknowledging that the corruption is 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 guaranteed. You know, religion just says, "Look, we are in a fallen world. We are fallen people. There's nothing you're going to do about it. You, all you can do is try to up to to live up to these standards, and that will alleviate your suffering and will will get you through the dark darker times." Whereas liberalism doesn't just doesn't have those mechanisms. Yeah. It it refuses to accept that as a as an axiom, and because of that, everything else, forgiveness and mercy you know they're trying to find some reason for it but it's not reasonable for, forgiveness is not reasonable right it's it's much more reasonable to hold a grudge it's much more reasonable to to hate your enemy and want to see everything everything horrible being done to them that's you know quite reasonable in many cases you can build a good build build a good case for it that's why you have to get out of it and go no yes i could i could hate you forever but i'm choosing to forgive you and in that forgiveness i take back that power and and then we can we can get on with with this project mm -hmm. and you know uh and i'm sure people are going to do the whole thing like oh what about you know what about pedophiles and et cetera, et cetera et cetera et cetera and like and you know i may not be able to forgive certain people i may not be able to forgive certain actions but just because i can't doesn't mean it shouldn't be done in some level yeah. you know it doesn't mean and you know we and we shouldn't confuse forgiveness with with uh, with with condoning behavior yeah uh, and mercy might be you know, life imprisonment or death or, or expulsion or whatever have you. Like, there's different, there's lots of different things we can talk about with, on, on those levels, but uh, not to get mired down to it. But, but I think that's we need to have the left. We need, we need to get leftists to understand that that they are the bad guys, <laughs> and right now, and that's okay. Um, we can forgive them, and once you have that mechanism of forgiveness, then maybe hopefully we can start getting to more a more rational center again. But. What what else did chapter eleven say? Because I didn't get a chance to read it today. Um, he basically he basically just goes through many different um, uh, examples of how the left treats communists versus, let's say, how the left treats uh, Nazis. Mm. Um, I'll give you a quote. I'll read. Oh wait, here let me get to. Let me get to the something here. Uh, so <clears throat> to read from here to a liberal, it seems eminently normal that all members of the political science or history or economics or philosophy department of a university should be, as in many important cases, they are liberals, plus a few somewhat left a liberal. But it seems shocking if a sizable percentage is of the right, rather a moderate, rather a moderate right. Nearly, nearly all liberals believe communists should be allowed to speak on college campuses. And most liberals believe communists should be permitted to teach in colleges. And there have been many liberal campaigns of protests against the attempt of some college administrators, administrators to prevent communists from speaking or to fire them from faculties. There is no comparable liberal solitude for fascists or even for those belonging to what liberals like to refer to as the radical right. Even the strictest civil liberties liberal, liberals who do defend in principle the right of fascists to speak in a public place are seldom around when the issue comes up. In both Britain and the United States, liberals began in, began in 1962 to develop the doctrine that words which are inherently offensive as far right, but not communist words seem to be, and do not come under the free and, and do not come under the free speech mantle. So, you know, again, we've and I, we've, we've said this before. I think in the last episode that it's amazing that this book was written in the 1950s mm. or was published in the 1950s, mm. and you're already seeing all the groundwork being laid mm. out. Uh, as far back as like 1950s, 1960s, early 60s, of what we're living, what we've been living through the last what 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's so we have to go further and further backwards um to get to the origin place and to get to the point where where these things started to, to to develop and again because we're dealing with people who can't see the their their own errors who believe that the system is is perfect it's just the people who are flawed um we need to find ways of reaching of, of getting through to them um because you know this is this is absolute madness and it's and it's madness it's generational madness it's not just you're not just dealing with people um in 2020 who are or the current generation who's a bit who are a bit off or being influenced by teachers from the 1980s it's like no no we're dealing with people who have been growing up their grandparents are like this their great grandparents mm-hmm. are like this you know like they they've had this this ideology implanted in their head firmly and to shake them from it is going to take something i think much more powerful than just charts and graphs and and impassioned speeches yeah. um it's going to have to be more example based um yeah, so we'll finish this off with the last little quote. Is uh, uh, This does not mean to imply that liberals never see an enemy to the left and never actively oppose persons or, or tendencies that are left of liberalism. They do, of course, and on some critical occasions, usually as a te- last resort, when all me- mediating, mediating alternatives have been exhausted, some liberals will even treat the further left as, for the given hour, the, the main enemy. But this never gives a liberal an, un, an unmixed satisfaction. And he's especially uneasy when he finds that his bout with the left he is self invite he's he's becoming a self-invited enemy uh, ally from the right on at his side his, his his conscience can never really be pure and his heart never never fully uplifted only sorry and his heart fully uplifted only when he's riding full tilt against a right-wing ogre and we've seen that time and time again right where i mean i think shoe and head or jimmy Dore, you know or so a few other people you know begin to attack the left from the left and then all of a sudden become this fan favorite of the right and like oh well i don't know actually hang on a second right yeah, yeah. um and start, start having to distance themselves in many ways uh we see that with the ethan klein thing right where ethan klein <sighs> has decided to embed himself to the left because again no there is no enemy from the left so as long as he's as if he goes far left he can't possibly be the enemy mm-hmm. right he's he's, a, he's the ally he's a friend look he's the most radical he's, yeah, yeah he's the, he's the one to follow <laughs> yeah exactly that's all good. You know, we delete the Peterson videos, but then Hassan, did you hear about this? That Hassan Piker, because uh, uh, I guess Jordan made a, gave him a, uh, Ethan Klein a tweet and said, hey, can, well, it's too bad, but can you, hey, can I have copies of those, of those videos? Because uh, I came on your show with the assumption that I would have access to, to mm-hmm. videos or whatever. And uh, Hassan Piker came back and was like, no, but if you want to come on our show and debate us uh, and talk about this, you can. It's like, Oh, okay. So it's grift. We're yeah. We're in we're in full grift mode. Oh, okay, that's that's yeah. nice to know. Yeah. No, like that, that Hassan Pico. There's no honestly. He's like Voss and Hassan Pico to me are the worst ones. Because they they're they slime. They're, they're slime. slimy, man. Yeah. Like, like, I don't watch Dave Smith much anymore. Uh, kind of like, let's watch a lot of podcasts. Like, we all, I do more audiobooks. But uh, whenever I see him going after Hassan Pico, I'm like, I gotta watch this one. It's like it's like <laughs> it's like it's like a, a wrestling. It's like, oh, I know this is gonna be this, this absolutely just get destroyed but it's gonna be fun because it's like this guy's an idiot and i want to see someone yeah. way smarter than him point by point him mis- refute him and then make fun of him at the same time this is why i like Dave Smith is the only I think. the only problem with that is that and you know hassan learned this from his uncle uh jenk uger is that they don't care about losing the argument mm-hmm. they, that to them doesn't matter because they're going to reframe it anyways doesn't matter when jenk did that like two hours with with sam harris you know it's was it was embarrassing so bad it was embarrassing, was but so Jenk got exactly what he wanted. Jenk got exactly what he wanted, right? He got he got to sit down with 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 Sam Harris, which automatically validated his position, mm-hmm. right? Which made him higher in the hierarchy, right? Because why would Sam even deal with him if he wasn't somewhat important, right? So he got that, and he got millions of views. Mm-hmm. He wins. Yeah. So and it's exactly what Piker's doing. He picks fights or says, and, Va- and I think was it Vosh? Is it the yeah. same? Um, uh, occasionally, I've never, I've never watched his show, but I, I'll see him do these these tweets, and it's like, oh, you're picking a fight, and mm-hmm. you're picking a fight with someone who, if you know, if they accept it, if they if they pick up the gloves, mm-hmm. you win automatically. You win, yeah, because you get more views, and that's all they're in it for. That's it. Like, Sam Piker isn't, isn't has no has no integrity. No, <laughs> like, not that I can tell. Of, you know. uh, Vosh did a debate recently. 
I didn't watch it because I don't watch his content because I can't. I physically can't sit through it because it's that bad. But he debated a uh, Catholic neuroscientist on the effects of porn. Where no one's like, yeah, porn is bad, has disastrous effects on the brain chemistry. And Foster was going to say, no, porn is good, and you should watch it. And I'm like, obviously, we can prove for a fact that porn has negative effects on the brain. That's a scientific fact now. You could argue that it's not positive, but effect is the fact is it affects the brain. And Foster's going to say, no, it doesn't. And it's like, okay, you, it's all for views. Like, it's all for views. And like, there's no way he's going to win that debate. I, I, I want to watch it because it seems good to destroy, but at the same time, I can't, I can't look at him and not just feel disgusting. Yeah, like he's, he's, a, he's, he's, he's he's an ugly he's an ugly human being, um, but I mean on top of that it's just like again it, it, this isn't he's he's mm-hmm. taking he's he's taking the side that's the most easily defendable because mm-hmm. whether or not it causes harm or not is not their concern it feeds desire mm-hmm. right and anything that is and this is the you know liberalism has been the has been the greatest cure for responsibility if you don't want to take responsibility be a liberal. Because it's yeah. always someone else's fault. It's always something else. You can always blame it on some right winger. Mm-hmm. You can always blame it on something else. It's it's never your fault. Yeah. It's never it's never you, right? Or and if and if and if finally they have to concede that okay, maybe this idea wasn't so great. Well, I didn't come up with it. It wasn't me. <laughs> like it was. I just do what the consensus of the day. I was just following the science. I was just following what they you know what the the best laid out plans were. So again, with porn and all the rest of it, it's that it's that. It's the easiest. It's the easy out, right? It's the mm-hmm. it's the quick pill. You take a pill. You you know you 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 watch something that gives you a visceral dopamine rush, and then you move on your, with your day because you can't because manifesting joy um, in one's life is incredibly difficult for most people. They have no reason for it. Like children are the are the best way to do that. You know the 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 nature's given you. God gave you the easiest way to find joy in your life is have kids. You know, and I'm and I look and I'm and I will even go as far to say as I don't think everyone should have children. I think some people are will be disastrous parents, uh, and they need to, they need to sort themselves out way before they do that. I, I say yeah. that about myself. Like I had kids at exactly the right point because if I had if I had my daughter ten years before, I was a mess. Like I mm-hmm. you know I would I wouldn't been able to be a half a decent father. Yeah, um, but I and I still struggle to do that. But you know I'm I'm far less of a mess now. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But I mean, my daughter gives me joy every day. You know, it's mm. it's 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 a it's a tap. You know, when you turn on and and frustration and all the rest of it. But mm. it's it's um, it's it's readily there. Yeah. Um, and that's I mean, and you can see that with the liberal framework as well that they have to create these things. They have to they have to engineer these things that, if you look at it from a natural order perspective, you already have it. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a simple it's a simple fix really I mean simple but you don't have to rebuild the you don't you don't have to rebuild nature you know but but they seem to be dead set to do that with you know with the vaccines they're they're gonna they're gonna create an artificial immune system yeah even though you have one you already yeah. have one but no no this one will be better this is better yeah it's. Yeah. Well, man, it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed your yeah, conversations. Should... I'm looking forward to the next one. But let's wrap this yes. up. What, what, what can people find you? What are your plugs? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Two uh, Bit Podcast. Uh, uh, we've got YouTube channels. We can look at us at Anchor FM. We're also on Spotify for all the audio uh, versions. Sorry for everyone for my daughter being in the background making noise, but you know, it's all good. It's this. These these are the things of being a parent. Um, ba ba ba. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I, there's, there's there's lots of things in the works, but it's it's always it's always a there's always a, a distant horizon line of 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 work and and trying to get things done in between diaper changes. So uh, so yeah, if if we you know when you have a child, and you realize how precious every single moment of when when the child is asleep. So <laughs> okay, but okay, but I'll see you. Yeah. <laughs> 